0: Boom, can't get fooled again
1: hey what's up everyone how you doing ben kissel here i hope you enjoy this interview with the legendary ken bone you might remember him from the cnn debate where he stood up asked a question and he had the audacity to wear something adorable he went viral in good ways and bad ways so i think you will be interested to hear his story what's it like When you're an overnight internet sensation, it's not all roses. However, I think he's flipped it, and uh, he's doing the best he can, and I actually really was super impressed with Mr. Bone. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Ken Bone. All right, everyone, I spoke about uh, Mr. Ken Bone on last week's episode, and on this week's episode, we are absolutely honored uh, to have him on the show. So, uh, Mr. Bone, thank you so much for doing the show.
2: Well, honored, that is a really strong word. I, I appreciate that, thanks.
1: Yeah, we are, of course. Uh, you know, for those that don't know who Ken Bone is, uh, he rose to prominence during a CNN town hall. Uh, he was a um, undecided voter in the 2016 election, and uh, you had a, a red sweater on and some khaki pants, and everyone's like, this is so crazy, This man's, this man is meme-worthy, and by the time that CNN town hall ended, you were everywhere on the internet. That must have been so freaking trippy when you just like leave the CNN town hall, because I know they don't let you have phones or anything there, right? Right. And you look at your phone, and you're like, why Why the hell am I trending? Why is hashtag Ken Bone trending on Twitter? What was that experience like?
2: Well, it was weird, because I didn't actually even have Twitter installed on my phone. I had to re-download it. Oh, that's I hilarious. I had a new phone, and I didn't really use Twitter and so I had to download it over again. And I found that I was hashtag Ken Bone was trending number one. Hashtag Kenneth Bone was number uh, two. And another spelling, I think it was like a misspelling, was number seven. So I was three of the top ten that's trending
1: topics. Yeah, you know you hit internet fame when uh, even a misspelling of your name is still trending within the top ten. I think that's a pretty good sign of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, if only they paid you to have Twitter followers. Oh that my been god! To set.
1: Yeah, that would have been pretty dope for sure. Uh, did you freak out? I think I would have freaked out. And I do. I'm like, am kind of a public figure in some in some circles. I think I would have freaked out if, unbeknownst to me, something I did just all of a sudden caught internet meme fire. That must have been a little nerve wracking.
2: Well, I mean, I thought it was weird, and I guess I got a little stressed out, but I think it was mostly because I was so busy. Uh, That first two weeks after the debate, uh, I was only sleeping about three hours a night, and I was doing media 18 to 20 hours a day. Right. uh, right. Every day except Sundays. And so I was, you know, I was just in a fog, but I wouldn't say I was nervous or freaked out or anything. People would stop me on the street, and I'd just be like, hey, how's it going? I. it never ceased to surprise me that people would stop me and want to talk to me or that I'd get calls from, you know, Fox News or CNN or right. HBO or whatever. I'm just like, oh, you heard of me. That's cool. Thanks. And then we do the
1: interview and that will be over. You're so chill. That's incredible. I love it. I mean, you were representative. It was interesting. I believe it was 2000. And what did we have? 2012 or maybe it was 2008. I don't know. There was that fellow named Joe the Plumber. And he wasn't, his name wasn't Joe and he wasn't a plumber, Um, but he was supposed to represent the everyman, uh, the folks from the Midwest, the people who are uh, your uh, so-called, so-called white uh, working middle class. And you sort of had to carry, I don't want to know, I don't know if the word is burden, maybe the mantle of the white working class. That must have been an interesting feeling knowing that at this point now, your words do matter. Your words are now representative or at least representative in the minds of some people in this country of a large group of people. Uh, Did that ever make you, you know, reconsider some of your politics, reconsider some of your policy ideas or anything like that? Or was that something that you felt comfortable, you know, sort of uh, being the head of?
2: I just feel like I'm more measured with my words now, uh, since like it or not, we're obsessed with fame in this culture. Oh yeah. And I was a little bit famous and I still am kinda, I I guess, you know, I'm, I'm what they call a social media influencer, which I think is a dumb term, (laughs) but I think that's technically what I am. Awesome. Uh, and so that means that I do kind of have some influence and it's strange. So it's kind of given me a sense of responsibility. Uh, it's the reason why I never told anybody who I voted for or who I was going to vote for, because I don't think it's fair to influence people based on the opinion of just some dude from St. Louis. Right. Uh, right. I, don't, I, I encourage people to get involved and to get out and vote and to get involved in their local communities and do community leadership. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to tell them what to think or what to do. I just want to tell them to get involved. Now, I'm right. never going to tell you who to
1: vote for. I'm just going to tell you to go vote. Yeah, that made me feel a little responsible, but that was it. And that's what I liked so much about um, you and just sort of the fame uh, aspect to your life. You You never did let it go. It didn't seem like you let it go to your head. You didn't become one of these people who just starts pontificating and shaming folks who don't have the same political ideology or the same political uh, brand endorsement as you might have. But you did get some blowback for just being because I'm, you know, I get blowback for me to moderate and trying to be Um, as sensible as possible, all the time. I get sniped at from both sides on a regular basis. But you did get some blowback, specifically from Bill Maher on HBO. And this is actually where the conversation started last week, where I was talking about how Bill Maher, I thought he was kind of an asshole to you, but that's sort of Bill Maher's brand. But I thought he was far too nice to someone like Milo Yanniopoulos. Of course, Milo certainly uh, lets you know where he falls on the political spectrum. Uh, But he was upset with you for being undecided. And I thought that that was, I thought that he was... I don't want to say bullying because I think that term, you know, kind of gets uh, overused a little bit. But I thought he was just kind of not understanding uh, your rationale. What do you want to what did you want to tell Bill Maher uh, that you weren't able to say on that show? Because I I felt he was just badgering too much.
2: Well, we didn't really have time to get into it super in depth because I think it was like a 10 minute segment or something. But uh, when people ask me, how could you possibly be undecided between these two people who are such polar opposites? uh, Well, see, that's exactly the thing. When you give me the choice between two polar opposites and both of them suck, of course I'm going to be undecided. I think unless you were in the tank for either Republicans or Democrats or Trump or Hillary personally, there was an element of undecidedness to everybody. Uh, The percentage of people who voted for one of those two candidates, I feel like is very low. I think most everybody who voted voted against the other candidate. Absolutely. Yeah, I was undecided. It's I didn't like Donald Trump. I don't like him now. I mean, he's policy-wise he's maybe 50-50, but rhetoric oh, and yeah. uh rhetoric and tenor and the being the face of the country mm. is a massive massive failure. Yeah. Uh, and it really bothers me. Right. Uh, I didn't realize until he became president how much I would miss having someone who is, quote, presidential. Right. But the reason I was undecided wasn't because I liked him. It's because I've hated Hillary Clinton since I was in high school. Right. Uh, I was in high school when she ran for Senate. And I thought, man, the people of New York are never going to elect somebody to the Senate who just bought a house two months ago specifically to establish residency. What a freaking scam. New Yorkers Mm. are smarter than that. And It turns out they're not. Sorry, New York listeners, but you did it to your damn self.
1: Well, it's interesting, yeah. With Hillary Clinton, obviously, uh, she had a lot of connections up here in New York State. It was an open Senate seat. She was able to kind of take advantage of that, and this is why she got the carpet bagger. This is sort of a a term that's used to describe politicians who do exactly what she did: show up in a town, buy a buy a spot for one month, and then run for a high political office and win because of political connections. So you're right; it wasn't an election of, you know, who you didn't like more and i thought that's what was so negative about 2016 it was just everything was dark everything was bleak uh, there was a storm cloud a political storm cloud over the entire country but now we are in obviously another presidential election cycle it seems as if the democrats are more they uh, they they're, they're more like the republican party in the sense that they have a copious a a cornucopia of candidates uh, the democratic party can choose from and of course uh, the republicans are stuck with donald trump and, and Bill Weld is also running against him, but I'm not sure how well that's going to work out. Um, Are you seeing a different tenor already with the 2020 uh, election cycle? Is it already better uh, in your mind than it was in 2016, or are you seeing a lot of the same old stuff rehashing?
2: Well, there's... We're early, very early in the primary stage now, and there's no Trumpian figure in the Democrat side right now right. to be throwing all those barbs around. But we'll get there when you think the race so? has, when the race heats up. Uh, I think there'll be some nastiness, if not from the primaries, then certainly in the general, because the primaries and Andrew Yang not as much, yeah, uh, like and Andrew. Buttigieg not as much, but everybody else. It's a contest of who hates Trump the most, right? There's, I'm not seeing a lot of policy ideas. I'm seeing like, I think Trump should be impeached. I think he should go to jail. I think he should hang. I think he should burn in hell. Okay, great. You're the winner because you obviously hate him the most. That is the contest that we're having. Uh, we're not having a contest of ideas right
1: now. Right. And you're out there in St. Louis and we travel all around the country, uh, for the podcast. And I see a lot of, uh, people, in places like st louis cleveland cincinnati uh you know we were just in nashville what is what's the vibe going on out there because i know i'm in an echo chamber i'm in the east coast i spend a lot of time on the west coast i know a lot of people in dc i know for a fact that i am not on the pulse of many people in this country as i drive through uh, these areas and hang out in these areas i'm always fascinated by the conversations that occur so in st louis in your more suburban i'm assuming it's a little bit more suburban area what's the tenor right now what are people looking for do you think where should these candidates be focusing so we can get a president that you know isn't uh completely and utterly divisive in every single way
2: well we got a lot of local politics going on in the st louis area right now so the focus isn't even on the uh the presidential election which i think is a good thing yeah like in canada the presidential election season lasts for six weeks and they're trying to pass laws to make it shorter
1: yeah in the uk i believe it's three months so we're the only ones that start two years before the election yeah
2: yeah, that's, all that does is give you time to throw mud at each other. Mm. Uh, we're focused on some local issues right now. Uh, St. Louis City and St. Louis County are two separate entities, and uh, they're, we're talking about a measure called Better Together, which would bring together the city and the county under one government, nice. which would eliminate a lot of waste, a lot of redundant police forces. Like right now, you can drive literally about five minutes and go through two or three police jurisdictions really? through these small municipalities and it makes it difficult and inefficient to do things like build roads right. and uh, school districts and yeah. you know policing so we've got that going on and also the st. Louis County executive just got uh, just got charged with uh, about a dozen counts of pay-for-play okay uh, some some dirty goings-on yeah for him so so yeah. we've got uh, a couple of scandals going on there.
1: Well, of course, and you know, and naturally, obviously, Missouri. We have Ferguson, Missouri, the massive riots that were occurring there, or protests and and, and reasonable protests. It was that, and of course, the city making it over half of their city revenue from citations. Which, as soon as cops become the tax man, there's a massive problem. Uh, so Missouri really has been sort of in the political zeitgeist of the country for quite a long time. Do you find yourself? Um, feeling more importance now going forward when it comes to your political opinions as a as a just a people of of missouri
2: well the whole reason that i became popular in the first place because was because of that wave of negativity right. that was riding on the 2016 election and people wanted to take a deep breath for a second and be like look at that guy in the sweater and the mustache and right. let's all talk about him for a couple of days
1: because holy cow Is this ever hateful? But you must have gotten so much. I know that you were going against the hate machine, but I know for a fact, you know, whether it be people combing through all of your your Reddit stuff, people making fun of some of your posts on there, which are totally freaking normal, by the way. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's what Reddit is for. I, and I know people on social media, as a matter of fact, uh, one of my listeners ended up tweeting at you and that's how you came on the show, apologizing for being a jackass to you on Twitter, uh, which I thought that was nice of him, but you got, you were just, people were just dumping all over you. And again, that's why I thought Bill Maher was just being an asshole. I'm like, why, 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 why? I mean how did you absorb all of that criticism and for no freaking reason the criticism was totally unvalid.
2: Oh well, yeah I've been I guess you'd call it a citizen of the internet since the early days you know AOL chat rooms and yeah. stuff and so so I know how nasty and negative it can get since you're sitting behind anonymity right. and I tried not to engage in that myself but then once I became a publicly visible figure and started absorbing some of that stuff I, I've always been able to kind of Growing up in a, in an internet generation, I'm able to shield myself from it a little bit and be like, well, that's trolls. And sometimes it makes you feel bad. Yeah. But most days you're able to just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Right. You see it – the way I see it the most these days is uh, a lot of – I'm still friends with a lot of reporters and uh, entertainment figures, and several of them are women. And they'll like post a picture or a tweet or something, and I'll respond to it and be like, oh, you know, you're doing great or you're awesome." And like one said the other day, like, uh, "How am I not married yet?" and posted a picture of how great her, uh, great a dinner she had made for herself. And I'm like, "Well, there's just no men out there that are good enough for you, Bridget." Right. And I got just dozens of tweets We'd be like, "Oh, Ken Bones shooting his shot," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> no." it's, you can, you can be friends with a woman without wanting to touch her.
1: Right. I know it's this
2: weird concept. (laughs) Uh, You can also say nice things about a woman without being a disgusting creep. Right. right. So all the people that are sending me DMS about how much of a weird perv I am. I'm like, okay, I, I appreciate that. I'll just go ahead and never talk to a female again, as long as I live, lest I, I make her feel uncomfortable. Or maybe I could just live my life with my friends online, you know, the way we do. Right. Uh, so, you know, you just try to ignore a lot of that garbage. Sometimes you retweet it and make the sunlight be the best disinfectant so they feel bad about themselves and delete their account.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, I don't know why. Do you think there's a correlation between the just the rise of negativity in American politics and the rise of social media for some reason social media and i've equated it to any any other life form it needs to mature i might be maturing a little bit right in front of our eyes. maybe obviously i think donald trump's got to get off of twitter and uh, just kind of get out of office and i think it'll be a little bit more peaceful but do you think there's a correlation between the negativity in american politics and the negativity that we've seen on social media
2: oh without question uh and whenever I talk to high school and college groups, which is where I spend the bulk of my uh, my time, you know, doing uh, speaking engagements or conference calls or whatever, I always tell them the same thing. Like, you guys like, – I remember not having a computer. Right. I'm 36 years old. I'm not that old. I'm in my mid-30s. Right. But I remember not having a computer until I was in high school. You know, the first of my friends that got a computer was in junior high school right. when he got it. He was, like, the, the rich kid. Uh, I definitely remembered not having a smartphone well my son who is 15 barely remembers not having a smartphone right he grew up we had a computer and we had social media and he had access to the entirety of human thought and knowledge in the palm of his hand the kids that are growing up with that now either them or the generation after them growing up fully immersed in it they're the ones that are going to be able to make a difference right because right. right now those of us this is like introducing a repeating rifle to a caveman the way they gave it to us mm-hmm. and to the gen xers and you know the baby boomers right we didn't know what to do with it and so we're we're killing each other with
1: it absolutely these kids that are
2: growing up with them uh, i think they're going to be better
1: absolutely and if you're uh, people use their cell phones quite regularly for basically everything um so that's interesting you have a child 15 years old what are your thoughts because i actually you know i uh, sometimes we'll get a message from someone in high school and it's always it seems interesting to me it seems like the younger generation that grew up with this stuff it's no longer the new shiny object it just is reality um it seems like they are better at understanding privacy because i know there was one there was one story where this uh, this now 18 year old sued his parents. For posting all of this stuff of him online ever since he was, you know, basically in the womb all the way up through, you know, middle school and high school. And he's like, I have privacy rights. Um, Do you think that kids are smarter now when it comes to the smartphone of understanding the power of it and understanding that maybe we don't need to document every single thing so then it can be exploited?
2: I think they are. And it's because. You know, people like you and I, we gave away our privacy one tiny little bite at a time. Right. Until now it's gone. Now the Zuckerberg robot has it and is not going to give it back. Right. And we're like, crap, we've lost it. And we'll be lucky if we get little pieces of it back through court actions and legislation. But these kids have grown up watching their dumb parents. Give away all their you know, just basically give away the store right and now the kids are looking to be like hey I've seen how many of you got burned by old tweets and got fired from your job because you thought it was funny to make a joke about You know people with uh, mental handicaps when you were 14 on MySpace. right right uh, that ain't, that ain't gonna be me I'm not doing that because right. they know they're gonna live with it forever Yeah, you know, we got all, we got these smartphones and stuff and as far as we knew it was a fad right well, now we know it's it's not a fad it's going to be around forever and these yeah. kids know it's
1: it's it doesn't go away Absolutely. And how do you think, is there any politician out there for this 2020 cycle that's utilizing social media in a way? Because I follow like Elizabeth Warren on Instagram. I actually think she's doing very good. Uh, She's out doing the town halls and stuff like that. Uh, 2016 was sort of the Twitter election, which I do think is why it got so freaking stupid, because Twitter is full uh, of uh, not always uh, the brightest conversations is there anyone in 2020 that's using social media in a way that is engaging to you right now or do you just not even look at social media as far as choosing a candidate
2: well i look at it but i don't read the replies that's the general rule in all things social media or youtube you know you just look at you look at the tweet and maybe one response but AOC obviously has a tremendous amount of skill yeah uh, in social media and I had the chance to meet her once oh, at no nice. uh, roots nation it was before uh, her primary okay so it was when you know nobody thought she really was gonna get elected except for probably her and her campaign manager right and she was I liked her. She's a nice young lady. Now, if we sat down and talked policy, we could argue about stuff all day, but I feel like we could have a productive argument and not yell at each other. Right, Um, right. She's great on social media. And love him or hate him, Donald Trump is unbelievably good at social media, especially for a 70-plus-year-old man. Now, I have a
1: question. So, Ken, Uh, that's interesting because I actually, reading his tweets, I don't know. They're good at distracting a whole bunch of people from some real issues going on, but they're also just, you know, they're just crazy. Like he went on a... Well, see, you hit on it, though. Whether he's
2: doing it on purpose, like whether he's a genius or a madman, we're going to have to wait for history to help us figure it out. Right. But he's doing exactly what he needs to do and distracting. Right. He is the P.T. Barnum of politics. He is look over oh, yeah, here true. while I do this over here. Yeah. And whether he's doing it on purpose or not, I, I don't know. But he's doing exactly what he has to do, which is riling up the base with crazy rhetoric. Right. And getting people to look at Twitter instead of looking at
1: executive orders i'm sure that you have some friends who are trump supporters uh you know st louis uh you know there's i'm sure there's going to be a lot of trump supporters have you found any kickback from people who voted for donald trump um are they are they fed up because i've talked to a couple of people who voted for him because again it was the hold your nose and vote and i hate hillary and all of this kind of stuff going on have you seen that even people who supported him and maybe they were way into him wearing a maga hat something like that are they just, like, kind of annoyed or fed up or tired uh, of all of this drama and theatrics of in American politics right now? Yeah, some, um,
2: but uh, the people who jump ship from Trump, they're just going to stay home. Some people who jump ship off the Democrat ticket, they might actually vote Republican, but people who are jumping off of the Trump train, they're just not going to vote at all because there is you no way. Think,
1: you don't think they're going to vote for a Joe Biden type or someone more moderate like that with the Dems?
2: Well, it depends, because to win this primary with this crowded of a pool, you're going to have to run pretty hard to the left. And it puts you in a tough situation if you're a Republican, a real Republican, where you your platform is like gun rights, pro-life, big military, small government. And you're like, well, I don't want to vote for Trump because he's been a jerk and he hasn't accomplished his goals. But I'm not going to jump over and vote for Biden, who is 0 for 4 on my big ticket items.
1: Right, right. So you think it's it's that is, you know, you can't stress it enough. Uh, Gun rights and uh, and the pro-choice versus pro-life argument. Those are single issue votes for a lot of people. And as we're seeing with what's going on in Georgia right now, I think the pro-choice movement is going to be more um, vigilant in getting out and voting for 2020 because we're just seeing. Obviously, that's a that's a state issue, but you never know if Donald Trump gets another four years, uh, what could happen at a federal level regarding reproductive rights? Um, yeah, so you so you think that Donald Trump, he hasn't really, his base hasn't really dwindled despite all the disgusting things as far as like family separation, that's just one of the things at the border and, you know, just, the, just all of the negativity. It's not very, this is what's so interesting, I'm from Wisconsin originally, the Midwest is a relatively polite spot and if I talk the way that Donald Trump talked and I know for a fact my mother voted for him if I talked the way that he talked she would have. she would have my father would have slapped me you know and I know the Midwest is a relatively cordial place how do they how do they justify all that
2: well it's like I said it a lot of people saw it as either vote for him or you know crazy Hillary's gonna come take away your guns and have mandatory gay weddings at your church or whatever you know, <laughs> right, it's you know inflammatory rhetoric we've, yeah, we yeah. Have allowed to spread around So, yeah, it's with the two party system and the first past the post voting system, you really are either vote for somebody you don't like very much who does not share your values or vote for somebody who will push the opposite of every one of your platforms. Right. Uh, And that's that's going to drive a lot of disengagement.
1: Yeah. What was your favorite experience in this crazy ride you've been on? Uh, obviously I'm sure you're going to start now that another political cycle is on uh, underway I'm sure you'll start doing more television more radio Uh, your opinion now again is valid uh, larger I mean obviously it was always valid but now it's it's valid with the megaphone effect that is uh, internet celebrity what was your favorite experience of this what was your favorite interview or just did you did you meet people that that really just blew your mind that you got to hang out with
2: well you know uh, meeting people like Anderson Cooper was a thrill because I really look up to him yeah. uh when it, when Anderson's doing the news he's doing news when he's doing opinion he's doing an op- he's doing opinion and he's an opinionated person right. that's fine he has never that I've seen ever conflated his own opinion with the news okay he tells you what happens and then he tells you what he thinks and I respect that a lot because it's all too rare in today's media. Yeah. And he's a huge media figure. And frankly, he doesn't have to do that because you can easily get away with not doing that. Yeah. Uh, so sure. it was a thrill to meet him. Uh, but probably the single greatest experience is after I covered the third debate in Las Vegas. So I was at the second debate. It was here in St. Louis. Okay. Uh, I, I flew out to cover the third debate for Jimmy Kimmel. I uh, out in Las Vegas nice. and then from there I flew to Los Angeles for the uh, red carpet premiere of Doctor Strange it was the Marvel movie that
1: came out that same weekend nice that movie was beautiful
2: I got to take my wife down the red carpet with me uh, and so how many you know regular Joe folks get to walk a Hollywood red carpet with their wife that's the kind of experience that I feel like she deserves that I never thought I'd be able to give to her
1: you know oh dude that's so sweet that's so badass um so overall this experience has been a positive a net positive for you
2: yeah guarantee the way i think of it is all the negative stuff like all the like people that want to troll me on twitter or dig up my internet history or whatever that only happened to me and well I, i'm a big boy i can take it maybe i have an extra drink every once in a while thinking about it right right but i don't care that's just That just impacts me. All the good that happened, like all the tens of thousands of people that I was able to help register to vote through voter initiatives that I volunteered for, or the uh, hundred and something thousand dollars I was able to raise for my local homeless shelter and for uh, veterans charities, that's for the whole community. So all the good stuff that happened happened for me and happened for the whole community. All the bad stuff that happened was just me. And the the good far, far outweighed the bad. I'd do it again in a second.
1: Dude, that is so awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, I have to ask who you're going to vote for in 2020 because that's the – I have to ask that by law.
2: Well, I mean, if I had to pick somebody in the primary right now, I get – I'm torn. I I like Yang. Yeah. There's some stuff we don't see eye to eye on. I think UBI might be a little bit too hard of a left turn for the economy, but there's so much crazy stuff going on that – Maybe a left turn's worth a shot. Yep. And it, mostly I just like that he's a straight-talking guy.
1: I agree. I, we actually had Andrew on the show, and he was just a wonderful guest. Yeah.
2: Uh, he seems like a great guy. And I love that he goes on shows like Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Now he's not going to agree with Ben Shapiro on other than what the weather is outside. Right, right. You know. But, but they're able to be civil with each other yes. and talk. And I really got to respect that. Awesome. Uh, somebody who's willing doing kind of what uh bernie did when he went on fox news saying like look if you want fox news viewers to hear your platform if i want to be the president i'm going to be the president of everybody right right And these people deserve to hear my ideas yeah and so you know yang's doing kind of the same thing i really respect
1: that i agree so andrew yang right now is the guy that you're looking at
2: yeah i'd, I'd say today i'm a yang gang guy yesterday i might have been more Buttigieg. He, he's really appealing to me but i love him yeah. maybe it's like Maybe it's age discrimination, but I feel like you need to be more than eight months older than me before I can vote <laughs> for you for president. Because me me and Mayor Pete could literally have been in the same high school class. And I think about some of the jackass stuff I do sometimes. And I'm like, man, no matter how much smarter you are than me, you're still there. You're yeah. still a pretty young guy. But I like him, though. Awesome,
1: man. Buttigieg and Yang. I love uh, both of those guys. I actually think the Democratic primary is really exciting. And I think there's going to be, uh, a positive outcome in 2020. Uh, Ken Bone, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Oh, absolutely. And please, can you come? Ba- can you come back on the show as the primaries continue on? Sure. Let me know. I can come on anytime. All right. There it was. The interview with Ken Bone. Great dude. Uh, very level-headed. Definitely learned a lot about the powers of the internet. And I am feeling confident in the next generation if they are like his children. Uh, hesitant to go online and hesitant to share all of their information because everything will and can be used against you in the court of public opinion. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the interview. Never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad
2: sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring
1: political points than solving problems.